It's with my honor then that I want to uh, welcome my sister Mia Chang. And uh, I've had the honor of serving on the board of Ecclesia Network with her and being a part of that network. And I know she is a passionate prayer and preacher. And uh, she just reveals things that are so difficult to put into words in the ways that she prays. And I love hearing her pray in those ways. She is the lead pastor and the planter of Next Gen Church, and she is here to bring her message. So would you come up, Mia? Thank you. Thank you, Bruxy. And thank you, Ephraim. How many of you are blessed? I am feeling so full, and that's not just from dinner. It's really from the whole day of hearing all of these words of encouragement and being inspired. So thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. I'm truly honored and humbled to stand before you this evening. I stand as a fellow sojourner in the journey of mission and as a practitioner laboring alongside all of you for the sake of the kingdom of God. Please join me in prayer. Most gracious God, we thank you tonight. Lord, we are full, filled with your spirit, your love, and your grace. We ask you this hour to speak to us once again. Touch us once again. Guide us, O oh God, in this journey of mission. Let these words speak to each of our hearts, each of our contexts, and our congregations. Have your way, Holy Spirit, we pray. Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe that God continues to speak and move in the midst of our lives today? Yes. That the Holy Spirit continues to perform miracles and supernatural power through ordinary but faithful people? When I was young, Having spent my early childhood years in Korea, our family did not know or follow Jesus as Lord. But we were religious, although they did not adhere to a certain view about God. They recognized that there was a force greater than ourselves and that they could somehow persuade this force to act on their favor. For example, I remember my grandmother praying before a tree to an impersonal and unfamiliar God, to some kind of a spirit or higher power, pleading for good fortune. I remember worshiping the dead ancestors and praying for protections and blessings for the family. Today, my family and most of my extended family members have come to know and follow Jesus as Lord, and we are no longer practicing these rituals. But I share this with you to point out certain resemblance between my grandmother's approach to God and to many Christians' attitude towards God. They might view God as being distant, impersonal, and unfamiliar, a vague and obscure force that might grant their wishes if they're good. We might go through religious activities, but God might remain 
afar and removed from our daily life of struggles and apprehensions. Some Christians might even describe their Christian experience as being unavailing or lackluster or simply ineffective. Lacking in power, authority, and passion, they might feel defeated in their Christian journey. These days, it's not difficult to feel discouraged. Turn on the news and you'll soon be bombarded by a barrage of disheartening events around this nation and around the world. Rampant situations of violence, racial injustice, gender inequality, depression, and mental illnesses, growing economic disparity, natural disasters, just to name a few. Or how about when we look at the spiritual landscape, the growing polarization within the body over theological and political differences, declining number of people in our churches, decreasing number of youth and young adults, growing number of people who identify themselves as non-religious, diminishing funds and enrollment in Christian institutions. You can fill in the rest. The list is extensive. Where is God in the midst of such reality? As the psalmist asked, at times we might find ourselves asking, crying out, our soul is deep in anguish. How long, Lord, how long? How can the church make any difference? Church, God is alive. Don't be alarmed. God is on the throne. God is here. The one who awakens the dawn, the one who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is with us. God gives us power so that we can be his witnesses to testify of God's great and unending love and victory. Jesus reassures us that he will not leave us as orphans. Jesus tells us we would not have to fend for ourselves in the days of evil and chaos, and we will not have to carry out the mission of God on our own. The Holy Spirit continues to fill our lungs and breathe new life and invigorates our souls and gives us new insight and vision. The New Testament account reveals that the, the disciples were transformed from being despondent, fearful, confused men to dynamic, bold, and prophetic ambassadors of the gospel who paved the way to establishing the church in a hostile environment. What brought forth this change? How did they go from people who stood perplexed and bewildered, simply staring up into the sky, 
after the ascension of Jesus to people who stepped out in faith to shake up their world. It is a result of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of vague force or impersonal power. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit has been active at the creation of the universe and throughout every moment in human history. Although the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, Jesus says we will know him for he lives with us and he will be in us. It is a spirit that makes us true disciples. The spirit helps to overcome our fears. He stretches us beyond our capabilities. He compels us to testify of the love and the power of God. The spirit teaches and enables us to bear fruit that will transform and heal the world around us. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to be followers of Christ, let alone shepherds of God's people. Even when we first believed, it was the Holy Spirit who was at work. It was the Holy Spirit that led us to confess Jesus is Lord. And yes, the mission of God is not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not possible by our own strength and knowledge. We might try to push through with our own efforts, but we will eventually become overwhelmed and defeated. When trouble comes, we will quickly realize that we don't have the capacity or the means to persevere. Do you experience the empowering counseling ministry of the Holy Spirit on a regular, consistent basis? What will happen, church, when we welcome and live by the power of the one who is the truth, the one who is our advocate, our helper, comforter, and counselor, what will happen? Although within every believer is the indwelling Holy Spirit, he or she may not fully recognize or encounter the power of this Spirit. One can go on with his life as though he was powerless. The same spirit that was poured out upon the disciples in the upper room wants to fill us and lead us this day and every day. The spirit invites us to yield to him. When we yield to the Spirit to occupy every part of our lives, we are giving the Holy Spirit priority, the permission to reach, to have access into every part of our lives, to the innermost thoughts and motives. The Holy Spirit then can permeate in every 
element of our lives and our days and our ministries, the Holy Spirit can permeate, pervade our lives. Now, I have an illustration. As a Korean, I love to eat kimchi, stew. Raise your hand if you've ever eaten this. It is made with spicy pickled cabbage. And in order to make this stew, we need to simmer for a long while for the flavors to go in deep. And in the process, the entire house permeates with this smell. It gets into every corner of the house, even into our clothes, our hair, in our pores even. It is quite powerful. Now to a Korean, it is a delicious aroma, but only to a true Korean. It has a way of coming in and just filling us. And it is that way with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit permeates in our lives, every part of our lives, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays, not just in church building, but in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in every aspect of our church life not just on Sunday corporate worship, but in our children's church, in our cleaning crew, in our welcoming team, in our deacon board meeting, in our budget meeting, in every aspect of life, the Holy Spirit fills and moves and empowers. The Apostle Paul instructs us that we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing, active, repetitive filling. And we cannot hurry this process. Our society is constantly operating at a hurried pace. And so does the church. Unless we surrender our time and desire to wait in the presence of the Lord, we will continue to run on empty. As the first activity in the morning, we can return to that sacred place of communion with the Spirit. Just begin a time of silence, followed by a song of praise, and a meditation of God's word. Then spend the rest of the time just talking with your master. Just begin with 10 minutes, then increase to 30 minutes, then try an hour. Then try a whole day, try a week, an uninterrupted, unhurried time with God. This is not about fitting one more item or one more task to our already busy day. But it's about communing with God. It's about listening to his voice, being in his embrace, enjoying the presence of our Lord, our friend, 
It is about us saying, Spirit, have your way in my life. Have your way in my ministry. Growing up in a first-generation Korean church, my pastor set the pace. He said to pray one hour each day is what every Christian should do. Now, if you're a pastor, that means two hours. And during the daily dawn prayer gatherings, I recall my pastor removing his shoes and like Moses did, entering into that sacred ground, bowing down and calling out to God. And I followed in his footsteps and in the footsteps of the witnesses throughout history who have sought after God the quiet mornings. To spend that hour with God in confession, in listening, being healed, being reconciled, receiving visions and directions, and having the courage to start another day. On the day of Pentecost, the believers gathered together to pray. They prayed and waited expectantly. They were available and ready to receive this powerful gift that Jesus spoke about. And indeed, just as Jesus promised, they were met with an earth-shaking, glorious presence of the Holy Spirit. Church, don't be alarmed. The church is alive because the Holy Spirit is here. He is on the move. Awakenings is a theme that weaves throughout the biblical narrative. God calls people to arise from slumber to a new life, the power of God. The prophet Isaiah calls out to God, but your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. And that is our cry, and that is our prayer. Today, the Spirit of God continues to awaken the people of God to a new life and hope. Does the Holy Spirit move in us today? Does he continue to, to wake us up today? Yes, indeed, he does. Recently, I was experiencing a great challenge of sort. In one of our ministries, I've been experiencing just struggles and, and difficulties. I faced turmoil and agony in, in every way. Financial resources were being depleted. We lacked leadership. We lacked clear direction. Every day I was bombarded with thoughts of closing the doors to this particular ministry. Can anyone relate to that? It's painful. 
What I'm going to share with you might sound strange and skeptical to some of you, but please allow me to share a profound encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit. One afternoon, I was entering into this ministry site to sort out some boxes to organize our supplies. As I stepped into the room, I called upon God to show me clearly whether we as church or whether I as pastor should continue with this ministry. Was I wasting my time? Was I wasting my energy and the church's resources? Was I being too prideful to call it quits when I really should? Were we really called to this ministry? And I just continued to pray, Lord, you're going to have to show me. You will have to show me clearly. And as I began to soar through the boxes, I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to express this. It was like a strong and fierce current that was moving within me, like a rolling wave covering and filling me up on the inside. And all of a sudden, I felt a new kind of strength and energy, a strange kind of heat rising up within me. And I began to pray fervently in the spiritual language, all the while sorting through the boxes and lifting up heavy things. I felt like Samson, really. I felt like I could carry those boxes and lift them up, and I had regained my lost energy. And I felt the presence of God there with me in that closet, saying, go on, daughter. I am with you. I sense the Spirit urging me on. Now, I can't say that this experience, this encounter, led to smooth and easy ministry thereafter. But there was a noticeable there was a definite shift in my posture, in my spirit. I was no longer fearful and anxious. I was no longer hesitant and doubtful. Confidence and conviction began to set in. Joy and peace began to flood my heart. Expectation and excitement began to dominate. Now, I am sensing God's new direction for us in this ministry. To not only go on, but to expand, to enlarge the territory. And I'm trusting that God is leading this ministry every step of the way. The Holy Spirit is active and alive. He continues to guide and lead us every step of this missional journey. 
Now for me, it's not just a glimmer of hope. It's a brilliant and beautiful light of God. When the young Eutychus in the book of Acts fell off the third story window and died, the apostle Paul responded immediately. It's an interesting story. He bent towards the young man and threw himself on him and held him in his arms. Paul reassured the frightened and devastated believers who witnessed this. Paul delivered a powerful news. He delivered the good news to them. He said, do not be alarmed. He is alive. And these are the words that the Holy Spirit exclaims to the church today. Do not be alive. The church is alive. It is the spirit that falls upon us and he embraces us lovingly, restores us and renews us. Church, we need not be alarmed. The Holy Spirit is here. He's stirring us to awaken from our slumber to see a new dawn. And together, we may sing the triumphant and jubilant song of Deborah during the days of Judges when people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. When hope seemed to be faint, Deborah sang, may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Church, we need not be frightened. The church is alive. This beautiful, messy, glorious, mosaic, this hope for the nation, this church is alive and the Holy Spirit stirring us. There are endless possibilities. The harvest is indeed plentiful, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can indeed be the agents of healing and transformation in our world. Amen. Pray with me. Most gracious God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you that you remind us, that you whisper, that you shout into our spirits today that you are on the move and you love the church and you promise to fill us with your spirit, to empower us, to lead us, to direct our footsteps May we yield to you that your spirit might permeate in us, in our ministries, in our communities, that we will indeed witness the transformation, the work of healing in our midst. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.